God invites us to become all-in followers of Jesus. And to invite others, too. We believe that we've got to hand that baton of faith to the next generation. To provide place for families in our valley, to have somewhere to bring their kids, find community, and know they're valued. A place where people can move from rows to circles on Sunday and throughout the week. I believe that through Jesus, I'll have a path and a purpose to help others. We will always be a church that will do whatever it takes to make room for people, to make room for everyone. For everyone. If you want to make me nervous, just have Van Epp say to me, trust me, I'll take care of it. I just sit back there with like everything puckered until, <laughs> until he starts praying, because you never know what's going to come out of that man's mouth. He is one of a kind. Love you, Brian. Everyone, I'm so excited about this series. Every once in a while, there's a series that comes along and really becomes more like a a family meeting, kind of one of those places where we're just going to kind of gather up in the living room and talk about what God is doing and what we really believe are the next steps for us as a church. We know that some of you, maybe uh, you're here for the first time as a guest or relatively new to Journey, and you might be saying, "I, I don't know if Journey's even my family yet. Well, let me say this. I am really glad that you're here. Because as you listen over the next three weeks, here's what you're going to find out. You're going to find out the heart and the vision of Journey Church, what really matters to us. If you, if you cut us, what are the things that we are going to bleed? What are the things that matter most to us? What are the hills that we are willing to die on? Why do we exist? What matters most? Here's the goal of this series is I want you to understand more than anything the heart of the Everyone Initiative. I want you to leave after this series knowing why are they doing this project, why are they doing this project right now, and how are they gonna trust God to see it happen? And I'm gonna say this right now, and I'm gonna say it multiple times. The Everyone Initiative is not simply a building campaign. It is way more than that. The fruit of this is not to just raise money. The fruit of this is not to build buildings. The fruit of this is to see God do something in and through the lives of people because that's what matters most to God and because that's what matters most to him, it matters most to us. That's gonna be the biggest fruit in your life is what God does in your life. Let's talk about the name. Everyone. This name, in my opinion, wholeheartedly reflects the heart of Jesus. What he is passionate about. Jesus is passionate about everyone. When he walked this earth, he was constantly talking about taking the good news, the good news of this message 
this message that can bring life, this message that can bring hope, this message that can bring forgiveness to everyone. He wants everyone on the planet to know who he is and what it is that he's done for them so that they can have a relationship with him that's gonna last for eternity. His heart is for everyone. And he made it really, really clear that this is true. In teachings like Matthew 24, 14, he said this, and this gospel of the kingdom, this good news will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, all nations, every nation. And then the end will come. I have a lot of conversations these days as people are looking at the dark things that are happening in and around our world. And sometimes you just see people kind of throwing their hands in the air and saying, I just wish Jesus would come back and end this whole thing, bring light into the darkness. But Jesus tarries. He's not coming back yet. Why? Because there's room for more. Jesus has a heart for everyone. He wants everyone to hear the message, the gospel to the ends of the earth. When he talked to his closest followers, when he gave them their marching orders at the end of Matthew 28, here's what he said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. All nations. You know what the Greek means there? All. Every one of them. Jesus' heart is for everyone. And I love this picture, this picture of eternity that the Apostle John gives us from the book of Revelation, chapter seven. Looking at this vision of eternity, here's what he says. He says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Where did they come from? John tells us, from Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. The heart of Jesus is to make room for everyone, every person on this planet. And when Jesus looked out at the multitudes, He saw more than just crowds. He was able to actually see into the hearts of men and women and children. And he said, I see what is happening with them. They are like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and helpless. And it burdened him. And he's asking us to feel that weight, to feel that burden that he felt for everyone. I love the picture here that Logan created. I love that the background of that is a map. When you see that map, when you see the map that are up on the walls up there, I want you to think about everyone. This is a map of our valley. That map represents everyone that lives in and around us, our families, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, our classmates, Everyone, Jesus wants us to have a heart for everyone. When we think about the magnitude of what it is that God has called us to do, Journey, there is work 
to do, to take this life-changing message, the greatest news that's ever been announced, to take that message to everyone in our sphere of influence. We've got work to do because Jesus' heart is everyone. But it's not just everyone. It's every one. Jesus doesn't just see crowds. He sees the individuals. He knows everything that is happening in and around your life right now. The troubles in your heart, the things that keep you up at night, the things that keep me up at night. He sees you. He sees every one. One of my favorite parables, Luke chapter 15. If I could name it, I would just call it the parable of the one. Because Jesus over and over is trying to help us understand, I see crowds, but I care about each individually, every one. He talks about a hundred sheep. And if you've got a hundred sheep and you even lose one of them, he says, you leave all of the others behind because all that matters to you is the one that is lost. That's the heart of Jesus is to go after one. He talks about coins. And if you have a lot of coins, he says, even if you have a ton of coins and you lose one, what do you do? He said, you drop everything. You light a lamp and you sweep the floor. You do everything you can. You search diligently to find the one because Jesus cares about every one. Then he tells the story of one son, one child that walked away, living apart from the heart of the father, living in squalor, a long way from home. And Jesus tells us what the heart of the father is. He stands on the porch and he's continually looking into the distance, waiting for the one son to come home. How does Jesus respond? How does the father respond to the son that comes home? Is he frustrated, angry? Is his arms crossed, tapping his foot? Come on, you should have stayed at home. You deserve what happened to you. No, that is not the heart of our father. The father looks off in the distance, sees the son coming. He lifts up his robes and he runs to the son and he grabs him and he throws an amazing party because one son came home. Jesus sees every one. And here's the punchline of all three of those stories about the sheep and the coin and the son. It says that there is more rejoicing in heaven over one just one that comes home. You wanna see what's raising the roof in heaven? It's just one. Jesus cares about every one. And he will do whatever it takes to make room for every one. I love the picture of the map because it gives us a, a, a mindset of the scope of what we're called to do here as a church, to get the gospel to everyone in our sphere of influence. But I love these pictures because these pictures 
tell the story of one. That map represents people. Eyes that look into the eyes of Jesus. He wants to know them. He wants them to come into a relationship with him. He wants to make room for everyone. Here's our current reality at Journey. God is continuing to do amazing things. God is at work in our midst. Lives are being transformed all over the place around here. I want to take us back, though, to a handful of weeks before COVID. Some of you may remember that we were actually going to launch the Everyone Initiative uh, in late March. Uh, Had a change of plans. Everything got shut down. But if you remember what it was like in and around our gatherings right before COVID, do you remember what Brandon would have to do after the first song every week? He'd have to tell everybody, move to the middle. Can you make room on the edges so that people can sit down, so that people have an opportunity to be here? Make room for people. And we were doing the best we could here in the auditorium, but what was happening down in base camp was just absolutely crazy. Oftentimes, we would have as many as 300 kids in our base camp on a Sunday. Do you understand the magnitude of that? That is like an elementary school on Sunday morning down there. I mean, the kids were hanging out the windows. We're piling them into rooms down there doing everything that we could to make room. Now, COVID gave us a little bit of a speed bump, a little bit of a pause in our Everyone Initiative. But the statistics still remain. We're starting to see again the same trajectory that we saw right before COVID. The numbers of people that are coming back to the auditorium continue to grow. Last September to this September doubled the number of people that are here. People are coming back to church. But even in the auditorium is nothing again compared to what we're seeing down in base camp. Peggy told me from August on, Every week, we've seen between six and 12 brand new families checking in kids down in base camp. On the average, she said it's almost 20 brand new kids every week. Think about that. Absolutely. It's so awesome. But here's what's not awesome we have no room for them. Peggy, at different times, sitting in my office across the table, just tearing up. And she said, we had to tell families, we don't have room for your kid. We had to send them away. You want to break the heart of a kid's pastor? Tell a kid there's no room for him. It's brought us to a point of decision. We have to make a decision. Are we going to get serious about making room for everyone? Especially the kids and the young people that are all over our church. Here's what you need to understand about the demographics of our church. We did some survey work just before COVID. We did some survey work of just who's in the auditorium here. Here's what we learned. We learned that the median age, meaning half of the people are older, half of the people are younger, the median age of the people just in this room is 37. And that didn't include any of our kids in base camp. And to top that off, We did this survey at a time when college students weren't here. We have so many college students. So if you think about 
Here's, here's the point that I'm trying to make. We have an incredibly young church. So many young people, so many young families, and we don't have room. And here's why that age is important to us. 37. Because 38 to 23 is a generation referred to as the millennials. Hear a lot about the millennials. The generation behind them, the younger generation, Gen Z. Most of our church, the vast majority of our church, fall into that category. Millennials and Gen Z and younger. And here's why this is incredibly important. A little over a year ago, Gallup did a survey. And the article that talked about the survey work that they did, this was the title of the article. It said, millennials are leaving the church and they're not coming back. This was the premise of that article. All of the preceding generations before the millennials, there were seasons of time. They called it the tidal effect of faith. There was a time after high school, usually, where people tend to move away from their faith for a season. But when they get a little bit older in their later 20s, oftentimes as they're getting married, as they're starting to have kids, this tidal effect, they come back to their faith roots. Every generation before, that's been the statistics. But the millennial generation, they said they have gone out and they're not coming back. More than half of millennials identify as having no faith commitment whatsoever. And the statistics keep going down every successive generation. They call these the missing generations in the church. But here's what's unique for us, Journey. They're not missing for us. They are here. Absolutely. They are here and they're here in droves and we don't have room for all of them. We don't have room. It's not okay. You just need to know that the leadership of our church, we see this as the most incredible opportunity. The biggest gift from God that these missing generations are showing up here week after week after week. But it's not just an opportunity. At this point, friends, we believe it is a responsibility. God, what do you want to do in and through us to be able to pass the baton to the next generation? Why is it that the millennial generation and the Gen Z generation and the newer generations are not coming back to their faith because my generation, Gen X and those before, we didn't hand the baton of faith to our kids. We didn't do it. We dropped the baton. And you know what happens in a relay race when you drop the baton? You're disqualified. Game over. Race is over. But here's what we have, Journey. We have an incredible opportunity and responsibility to pick up the baton and do whatever we can as a church to reach out to the next generation, to hand the baton of faith to those that are coming behind us. This is creating a challenge for us down in our base camp and with student ministries. But I will tell you this. There is not a church in this town. There's not a church on the planet that wouldn't want to have the problems that we have. 
that the young people are coming. The problems that most churches have is they're aging out and they're closing their doors because no young people are coming, but they're here. God is bringing them here, but our problem is that our campus is not configured to make room for them. So we've got to ask the question, are we willing to make room for everyone? Do we really believe that kids matter? Do we believe that middle schoolers matter, high schoolers matter? Are we going to be a generation that is willing to bend down, pick up the baton, and say, yes, God, whatever it takes, we are going to be willing to pass the baton of faith to the next generation. Journey, is that going to be us? So I've been praying in around this for a season of time. There's a text of scripture that God has just brought to my heart over and over and over again. It's a text of scripture written by King David. And here's what you need to know. Some of you might not know a lot about King David, but King David saw God do amazing things in his life. We, we oftentimes think about David as the boy and Goliath taking down the giant. But all throughout his life, his life was marked by the supernatural. God continually showed up to him with his power and his presence. Battles, military victories. David saw so many things that God did. But you know what David had? There's a moniker that David had that nobody else has. A man after God's own heart. David's heart was beating for the things that God's heart was beating for. But here's what I wanna read to you. What I'm gonna read to you is something that David wrote at the very end of his life. You know what happens at the end of our life? When we know that the time is short, we're not dinking around with the trivial things in life. We're actually thinking, I wanna give my life to the things that matter forever. We're not messing around anymore. Here's what David said. He said this, Psalm 71, starting in verse 16. He said, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. And then I just love this. King David says, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. King David, at the end of his life, he's standing before God and he's saying, God, don't turn your back on me yet. As long as I have breath in my lungs, will you give me the opportunity to proclaim your mighty acts to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. Friend, that was the heart of David, and I believe that has got to be the heart of Journey Church, that we would be willing to, just like David, say, God, don't forsake Journey until we do a good job of taking faith and passing it to the next generation, God. As long as we have breath in our lungs, let our lungs be saying, let our voice be saying, This is what the God is like. This is how you can give faith 
to the next generation. Are we going to be that church? Are we going to be that church? As we've engaged the Everyone Initiative, one of the things we did is we had a consultant that was kind of helping us try to understand uh, how to think about this project, how to think about raising the resources around this project. Loved our meetings with him. There was one I didn't like so much. As we sat in the meeting, he just said, you need to understand that primarily this project that you are undertaking is about kids and youth. He said, you need to understand that the most difficult money to raise in the context of church is a project for youth and kids. And in my mind, I'm just thinking that makes no sense to me whatsoever. So I said, what, why is that? And he said, here's the hard, cold facts. Is he said, young people and young families oftentimes generalizing don't have the resources that it takes to fund significant projects. And he said, the people oftentimes that have the resources are those that no longer have kids in base camp, no longer kids in youth group. And in the back of their mind, they're thinking about a project, they're thinking about a price tag, and they're saying to themselves, what's in it for me? And as he said that, something in me, I could just feel the defensiveness in me. And I hate it when I get defensive like that because I can never hide it. I just wear my emotions on my sleeve. And I just said, that is not our church. And he he said, I I get it. He said, but you just need to understand that as we look around the country, and I said, no, you don't understand. This is not our church. And he said, I'm not trying to make a judgment about the people that are sitting in your seats. But as a consultant, I've got to tell you that as we look around the country and we watch these projects, this is what we see. A lot of people have a what's in it for me mentality. And it broke my heart. But at the same time, I still believe what I said to our consultant. That's not our church. That's not who we are. And friends, if there is something in the back of your mind where you're saying what's in it for me, I'm gonna just boldly tell you right now, would you repent of that? This kingdom, God's kingdom is not built on the mindset of what's in it for me. It's about what is in it for somebody else. That's what sent Jesus to the cross. That's the king that we follow. His life was always about others. And if we're gonna have his heart, if we're gonna be willing to make room for others, we can't have this what's in it for me, kind of an attitude. We've got to be like David and just say, God, whatever you do, don't forsake me. Don't forsake me until I pass the baton to the next generation journey. Is that going to be our church? Now, I want to show you some pictures, some graphics, some that our architect has developed for us that give us kind of a, a flavor for the project. And it is unashamedly, primarily about kids and young people. Let's look at these slides together. Here's the first slide. This is looking from the YMCA. This is going to be the front elevation. You're going to see we're going to have like a significant new entrance to the church. We'll still have the one out front, but this will be primarily toward our kids wing, but we'll share that with others. And there's going to be a significant lobby on the inside. You know, if you're outside in this lobby, there's just no room and Hardly any opportunities to get to talk 
with someone, you're just kind of shuttled out to the outside. This will have a significant lobby. This next slide shows a little bit of the floor plan. Everything to the right over there is the 22,000 square feet of additional space that we're adding. The blue over on the left is going to be repurposing our current base camp to create classrooms for zero through five and all of the new stuff. The classrooms over there are going to be for our older kids. And you see in the upper right-hand corner is a designated worship space that our kids will be able to use on Sundays and our middle school will be able to use on Tuesdays and our high school using on Sundays. You can see that there's a large open area and a coffee shop on the right, lots of community space that will be open throughout the week, opportunities for people to move from rows to circles, opportunities for us to meet and to be together. Even the adults can be there. But I want to highlight a little bit kind of that green in the back. It's an iconic play area. We've got a fly-through coming up here, and I want you to kind of see what that is. This is coming in the doors, and that's the coffee shop over to the right there. As it turns more to the back, this is going to be the spot that every little kid in the county is going to want to come hang out in. See, as you move toward that, I don't know what the age restriction on this is going to be, but it's always going to be at least under my age. So it's going to start at 52. So 52-year-olds. And there's a two-story mezzanine up there. This play area will be two stories high. And that mezzanine area will be a space that's going to be primarily designated for overflow from this auditorium, but also an opportunity for high school, middle school kids to be up there and have a space that's their own. The question everybody asks is, how are you going to keep the ping pong balls from falling over the edge? We don't know that. It's an architectural nightmare at this point. But uh, we're going we're gonna to figure that out. The next slide, this may not seem like a sexy drawing. It's a hallway. But if you're a volunteer in base camp, if you are a staff in base camp, or you are a parent or child in base camp, that wide hall, you are just saying amen right now. Those tiny little hallways when you have hundreds of kids and adults trying to get in and get out has been a nightmare for parents. You're gonna have nice wide hallways And a couple pictures coming up here of our designated worship space, again, that our kids will be able to use on Sunday, and we'll be able to transition that on Tuesday nights and Sunday nights for our middle school and high schoolers to have their own dedicated worship space. And I just need to make this observation. Uh, Logan, who we just hired, uh, his first day was August 1st. Uh, They're already seeing like over 120 middle school and high school students every week, and it's growing every week. Absolutely. So that worship space, we might need to add on to that really, really soon, which is awesome because we want to make room for everybody. One last picture, just kind of a, kind of a visual there of kind of a sawed off visual. Here's the one thing that I want to say is when we think about what we're going to build around here, we won't build one square foot of a building that we're not going to use throughout the week. We're not going to build stuff that's just we just use on Sundays and it's cold and dark the rest of the week. We have lots of ideas on how the community can be loved and blessed through this facility. And just put a pin in that because Brian and the team is going to talk about that a lot next week as we try to understand our heart behind the Everyone Initiative. Let's get down to numbers. 
We've sat down with people that are in the building industry that understand the crazy costs that are right now. Uh, our best understanding, our best estimate to where we're at on the current cost of the project that I just showed you uh, is $7.5 million. That feels like bad news. That's a lot of money. Now, here's some good news. Some of the good news is that over the last three years, uh, we've underspent our budget and revenue has been over our budget. So we've had the opportunity to be able to save a million dollars as a down payment uh, toward the seven and a half. As we were engaging with our congregation, a cross-section of our congregation to try to understand uh, our readiness for this project, people's response to the project, we had a lot of individual meetings with people where we explained what we were doing, but also just said, would you be willing to make a commitment toward this project? We have about 60 commitments in. $3.9 million has been committed to the project so far. Amen. But here's the number that's left, $2.6 million. That's a lot of money. That's more than I make in a month. <laughs> I did the math. It is a, it's a mountain to climb. It just is. So the question is, how are we going to raise $2.6 million to cover the cost of this project? The way that we get there, friends is everyone participates in everyone. Every one of us. There are gonna be gifts that I know. There are people probably in this room or listening to the sound of my voice. You're gonna be able to write a check for hundreds of thousands of dollars. God's gonna tap you on the shoulder and there are gonna be people that are gonna do that. And there are gonna be some of you that God's gonna tap you on the shoulder and he's gonna say, I want you to give $5 a week over the next three years to be a part of the Everyone Initiative. And everywhere in between. That's how we get to $2.6 million, everybody participating, everybody holding up their life, holding up their resources to God and asking him the question, what does generosity look like for me? And as I was processing some of this this last week, uh, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I just feel like God asked me a question in my mind. And I think the reason that he did that is he wanted me to share that with you today. So you can understand how we're actually thinking about this. And the question was this. If you could go back a year ago and someone just walked up to you and anonymously, well, I guess they can't walk up to me anonymously, but if somebody came to you and said, here's a check for seven and a half million dollars, no risk, guaranteed, just start building. That's one option. The other option is that we do the everyone initiative. We take the risk, not guaranteed, but we as a spiritual family all hold up together our life and our resources and ask God, what does generosity look like for me? And we just land wherever that lands us. What would you choose? The guaranteed 7.5 or would you just do the project and see what happens? It took me about that long to think about it. Every day, I would do the everyone initiative. I would pass. I promise you, I would pass on the seven and a half million dollars. Because here's what I know to be true, is the beautiful things that God is gonna do in this is not building a building. The beautiful things is not gonna be raising a budget. The beautiful thing that God is gonna do is he's gonna shape the hearts and the lives of people. That's how God does his thing. He calls his people 
to have faith and to take risk when they don't know what the outcome is. That's why we read these stories about marching around Jericho and then they blow horns. It's like like a marching band is your strategy. It's like Jesus saying, Peter, walk on water. He's like, wait, what? What are you talking about? But it's that element of faith. Are we willing to do what Jesus is asking us to do? That's what we're asking you to consider. We want you to start that vertical conversation with God. What we don't want is that the Everyone Initiative would feel like a horizontal conversation between me and you or Brian and you or you and your church. That's not profitable. But what is profitable is you starting to have a vertical conversation with God and asking him, God, what does generosity look like for me? What does sacrifice look like for me? And learning to listen to his voice and respond in obedience. That's what's gonna change our lives. And that's gonna be the good fruit of this project when we do that together. I wanna show you a video of some friends from our church here that are having that vertical conversation about generations and they and their family are a representation of generations around here. Let's watch this video together. Uh, we're Vernon, Pat, Drogue, and we've been coming to Journey for 13 years. Well, Vernon, Pat, uh, thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Uh, you've been such a, a big part of the life of this church from very, very early on. And uh, I'm just, for one, I'm just really grateful for uh, your friendship. How was it that it came to be that Journey Church became your church family? Our daughters were home from college and they were working towards their nursing degree and quite often had to work on Sundays. And we really missed going to church with them together all on Sunday. So Vern did a, some checking on a church he heard about that had a Saturday night service. So that led us into all going on Saturday night and then another group went on Sunday and we liked it. We liked it a lot. The girls did too. First of all, it was the atmosphere, just a real uplifting, you know, joyful atmosphere. And then as we got into listening to the teaching more and more, I'd say it um, resonated with me that it was more focused on how to serve God and how to live your Christian life. When you think about not just your own lives, but the lives of your kids, how has Journey Church impacted your next generation, your kids and, and their spouses? Our faith has become much more than just an open conversation. Um, we spend time when we get together after church or throughout the week, and quite often the message will come up or something that's kind of going on in one of our lives or one of our kids' lives, and we talk it through kind of in a practical way. Right. And faith, although it's a personal journey, it's become kind of a, um, a faith walk that we walk together. It's been so uplifting to see them come and worship. I think that's really getting into their hearts as well through the music and worshiping God. As parents of a lot of little kids, what is it that you love about base camp? What is it that you appreciate? Uh, well, obviously, I love that they're learning about Jesus. And truthfully, I, I love being able to drop them off and go to, to the big service, we yeah. call it. <laughs> Um, just Scott and I, it's almost like a date sometimes to go to <laughs> to church yeah. without all the kids. Yeah. So, and just to know that they're having fun while we're all learning about Jesus together. Um, Mindy and I just got married, started going to Journey, and uh, all four of our kids have been dedicated. Yeah, and then Mindy being baptized and, and Braden being baptized too. 
all great experiences, a journey that we want a lot of other people to share as well. Yeah, I started going with mom and dad just in, in high school, so got to be involved in the, the high school ministry. Uh, yeah, when we came back mm -hmm. to Montana, knew we wanted to make Journey our church home yeah. and did our pre-marital counseling. Counseling and got married through, yeah. For her, I mean, as she grows up to have other people influencing her outside of just mom and dad, but mm -hmm. other people investing in in her relationship with God and speaking into that too. What's really cool is just to see like how he's grown. He was baptized two summers ago and I know that, you know, that wasn't us, you know, that was God working in his heart and a lot of influences in his life, um, both through school and through base camp. Yes, the kids will, you know, catch some of the benefits of the, the expansion in base camp down there, but honestly, I mean, even thinking 10, 20, 30 years from now and making more room for little guys like <laughs> like these four and, and, and other people's kids. So. Yeah. I'm not little. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not As you think about the campus expansion, the Everyone Initiative that we've been talking about, how do you think that that plays a role in us being able to pass that baton of faith to the next generation? I would like to see Journey's campus be kind of come the go-to place in the valley for Young, young kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers, and my grandkids will be there in no time. And it's like, you know, that they just say like, hey, you know, let's go to the coffee shop tonight and hang out, or let's have a Bible study there tonight. And just a space that they know is always open and available for them and attracts kids that don't go to church. And so that's just what's exciting to me, that it becomes a magnet for the whole valley. What, what is it that stirred in you to want to be um, not just behind this project, but behind it financially? We have nine grandkids right now down in base camp, and um, they're going to be there for a short period of their life, and I want that to be a great experience, but also middle school and high school youth groups, and I just want this to be an, uh, a part of their life that just is a, a real faith-developing part, but also a great memory part, and then beyond that, I want to see that for all kids, not yeah. just our grandkids, you know, but just for all kids in this valley to just have a place that they say, you know, this is just a really neat place to hang out with my friends and just love to meet Jesus there. Jesus felt it so important in the Bible to show how much he wanted kids to come to him that he put a passage in there where he actually scolded his disciples for hindering the little kids. So if you turn that into a positive light, Jesus is telling us, make my name, make my myself accessible. And so I think this is kind of what it is. It's making the space accessible for kids in this valley to come to know Jesus. And we can invest in a lot of things in our life, but when we take our last breath, all of those earthly investments cease. But if we invest in the kingdom and we invest in a project like this, we're investing in something eternal. I think it'll not only, you know, keep our young families here, it'll draw new young families to our church. And um, what a great investment, you know, as with our money, with our time to invest in the future and the next generation. Family, yay, amen. That's the way to grow a church right there, is just have families like that. Here's our ask, Journey. On the chair back in front of you, there's a commitment card. Just wanted you to grab that and take it home. 
but I will say this. I don't want you to do anything with it except this. I want you to keep it in a place where you can see it. Maybe that's on the dash of your car. Maybe it's beside your bed. Maybe it's on your fridge. And I want you to look at this and I want you to start that vertical conversation with God and begin to just ask him, what does generosity look like for me? What does sacrifice look like for me? What is it gonna look like for me to pass the baton of faith to the next generation? Journey, we're gonna be talking about this over the next three weeks and we're gonna bring these back. Our commitment Sunday uh, will be the 17th, October 17th and the week following. Uh, So you don't need to bring that back until then, but I want you to start that conversation. There's some reflection questions um, that we're gonna give to you uh, afterwards. There's a QR code that's in, in front of you on the chair back, take you to those discussion questions. There's some personal questions and even some group questions uh, for you in your small groups or even with your family. These pretty little trees that are up here, our base camp team, what they did is they took these little pieces of paper and they got the actual little fingerprints of the little kids down in base camp. Every one of those little pieces of paper represents uh, the life of someone that we get the opportunity to influence. But it's more than that. The Everyone Initiative isn't just about who's here now. It's about the kids that are going to meet Jesus. It's about kids that aren't even born yet that are gonna meet Jesus as a result of having a place to come and hear the greatest news ever announced. And what I love about this fingerprint is that it's unique. It's a reminder in my mind that Jesus sees every one. Every fingerprint is unique. I mean, if God wanted to, he could have made a little kid in Belgrade and a little kid in Nepal have the exact same fingerprint and nobody would catch him doing it. But he can't bring himself to make two fingerprints the same because he sees everyone. And he wants us to see everyone. And he wants us to make room for everyone. Let's pray. Jesus, more than anything, we want your heart. We want your heart for this world. We want our hearts to break for the things that your heart breaks for, and we want our hearts to rejoice for the things that your heart rejoices for. Jesus, you are incredibly generous. You were so generous to us. We can't look at your cross without being reminded you gave everything for us. We wanna give everything to you. We want to have your heart for the next generation. Show us what that means in tangible ways for each of us. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. 
Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.